Here we go. Yeah. Just take my hand. it Go there. You can go there. Listen to this and cry in my office several times. Don't you cry. Born so small, you seem so strong. My arms will hold you, keep you safe and warm. Thank you, Abba. This bond between us can't be broken. I will be here. Don't you cry. Why? Good job. Well, why did I play that song? Well, this is a great song because it's all about the power of living from our hearts. And, you know, we know Jeremiah said, if our hearts are not redeemed, they're just desperately wicked. They're stinky and stony and they just, you know, we can't really live from there. But if Jesus is inside of us, we can live from there. And it's like, and he basically invites us you know, to actually live in his heart and him to live in our hearts. And so I just love that because it's it's all about God delighting and transforming our dead, stony hearts. Now, Ravi Zacharias, anybody know Ravi Zacharias? He's an amazing, fiery apologist, and he just cuts to the chase and gets to the core of what it means to be a Christian. He passionately declares, and only the way that Ravi can do, Jesus did not come to make bad people good he came to make dead people live all right so say that with me jesus did not come to make bad people good he came to make dead people live because we don't have a life god's the one who created all life we don't have a life unless god has actually activated that inside of us this is what this is what it means to be in christ Acts 17:28 speaking of Jesus says in him we live and move and have our being that pretty much covers everything doesn't it God has made this amazing offer for us as human beings to live by his divine life since the garden of eden this offer has been there we like adam and eve can choose to live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil trying really, really hard to be good, trying really, really hard not to be bad, or we can live by the tree of life, to live by Christ's indwelling life in the same way that he lived by his Father's indwelling life. The tree of life contains God's divine, uncreated, eternal, everlasting Zoe life the tree of life in effect is god's divine life that we can take in a receivable way if you're saved really what happened at your moment of salvation is you took the first bite 
out of the tree of life. And the invitation is to continue to do that. But for so many of us, we choose and we look at the other tree. And we think, oh, it can't be that simple. It's like, I have to figure it out. It's all on me. Now I have all the pressure on me. Now, we can continue to live by this divine life today because Jesus is the tree of life. We hear Jesus saying in John 15, 1 and 6, 57, I am the vine. Actually, he says, I am the vine tree. All right. As the living father sent me and I live by the father. There it is. Living by the father's life. So he who feeds on me will live by me. I believe we can reframe what it means to be a Christian in this little word life. If you actually go from Genesis to Revelation, it's a book all about God releasing his life. And last month, I began to unpack a little bit how God's life is released to us through the new covenant. The heart of the new covenant is that the living Christ, not meetings, not buildings, not anything organized religion at all, the living Christ, his presence must be the center of the Christian life. That's what we live from. We live from that place. And the main difference between the old and the new covenant is the old covenant is a commandment from the outside. Thou shall not. Whereas the new covenant is an urge from the inside, where God has redeemed us from the inside, and he actually causes us to walk in the Spirit. The New Covenant is all about being in a love relationship with Jesus, being in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, only doing what we see the Father doing. Okay, If we really start living in the New Covenant, it will change everything, how we view others, how we view ourselves, and how we view God. But sadly... For most of us, we've kind of settled for a WWJD kind of a old covenant life. What would Jesus do? I don't know if you remember, but when Randy was up here with me a few months ago, and we actually had the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we are actually going through all the different forms of life that God created. We have God who is the highest life, and then right below God was angels And then below angels, human beings. And then after that, everything else in the created order. And I said, it's kind of like a turkey going around with a WWHD bracelet around its ankle. Saying, what would human do? I'm a turkey. What would human do? It's just not going to work. I mean, we actually have God's divine life in us. But I think, sadly, most of us kind of settled for kind of a karaoke way of living the Christian life. We read something, then we try to do it. Why can't I do this? Well, it may not be what God's calling you to do at that moment. Someone needs heal. Well, Jesus healed people by spitting in dirt and put a little mud pie on their eyeball. Josh needs healing. I know what to do. I read it in the Bible. Josh, come here. It's like, we're going to do what Jesus did. And he's like, you know, Barry, I don't think so. It's like, if the Lord's telling you to do that, great. But it's like, that's what we sometimes boil it down to, just trying to imitate something, and and it's not going to work. And most most preaching today is built around the wrong assumption that you can eventually be a successful Christian if you just try harder. If you just pray more. 
you're just in the Word more. You know, if you just had that WWJD bracelet on your both both of your wrists and your ankles and, and maybe earrings, it, it's going to help. We hear imitate Jesus. If you just imitate Jesus, really, really try hard to imitate Jesus, then you'll be like him. Problem is, we're just looking at the fruit instead of actually getting down to the root of Jesus' actions, actually looking at the engine of what drove him, and that was the Father's indwelling presence. (coughs) You see, Jesus did not live by his own natural strength. Instead, he lived by the energy of his Father who dwelled within him. He spoke when his Father spoke. He worked when his Father worked through him. He made judgments when his Father judged within him. Jesus only did what he saw, heard his indwelling Father doing. That's why when the woman caught an adultery, and what did the law say to do to this woman? What? Stone her. That's a, par- that's a painful way to die. <coughs> the father said, don't stone her. This is an opportunity to, to show my heart. Right? I mean, he didn't do what, what the Bible commanded him to do. He ignored the command of God. Because God said, ignore that command. I'm, I'm doing something bigger here. I'm sure the woman at that moment, was very thankful that he did not just obey the letter of the law. So Jesus lived by the Father's indwelling life, and that's the same invitation to us. Now, the new covenant was prophesied by an old old covenant prophet named Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is often referred to as the weeping prophet because God gave him this really tough assignment to actually pronounce all these judgments on Israel that were going to come down if they didn't obey the Lord. Now, Jeremiah, knowing what the people were like, he said, I'm just going to have to keep on bringing this bad news to you, and I know you're not going to obey it. And and then on top of that, God said, guess what, Jeremiah, since you're also an Israelite, You have to suffer right along with them. Though even though you're obeying, you're a part of this, and I'm going to have to bring my judgment. So that's why, you know, he was constantly just up against this tough battle, like proclaiming and and prophesying things. They're like, they're not going to do it. I know they're not going to do it. Oh, and here came the judgment. So when God basically let Jeremiah in on a new way that he was going to be doing things and actually prophesied the new covenant, He's like, hold on here. Are you kidding? This is too good to be true. Pinch me. I'm dreaming. Oh, Jeremiah, sorry. This isn't going to happen for several hundred years. Ah, then he's crying all over again. But let's look at the new, the, the new covenant that actually Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And I'm going to read this. Now, all the eyes here are actually God saying this is what he's going to do in the new covenant. So as I'm reading along, every time I say the word I, then you actually see there in parentheses it says God's part. Okay, so this is just showing you who's doing the heavy lifting 
in the new covenant. All right. So you know what you're supposed to do. Practice. I. All right. Very good. You guys are quick. All right. So the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I, and this is the sweet part, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because I think that's how he would say it. Because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's good news. That's what Jeremiah would have longed to been able to live in himself. Now, the first thing God told Jeremiah was to say, to say about the new covenant is that the new one was not going to be like the former one, the one that was actually made on Mount Sinai. That was a system of religion based on obedience to written commandments. God said, you know, the former one, it's not going to be like that. Now, some Christians think that the Old Covenant is the Ten Commandments and the New Covenant is the Sermon on the Mount. Have you ever heard that? You know, some people think, okay, here's kind of like what God said there. Now, this is kind of like the New Command of actually how we do this. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 is just the interpretation by the writer of the Old Commandments. See, Jesus wrote that, and Father wrote that. Jesus was saying, the Lord says, thou shall not commit adultery, but I am the maker of the law. And I will explain to you what the law really means. You thought it was tough when I said, do not commit adultery. But I'm going to tell you now, in the Sermon on the Mount, what that really means. That means if you look at a woman and go, hello, you're in trouble, okay, right? You've gone there, and now you're just as guilty because you thought about it as actually being in the act of adultery. Whoa, that's heavy. That's what it really means, Jesus was saying. What my father and I had in mind when we said that was even if you look at another woman and go, uh, places you shouldn't go, but of course, without a new heart, without the new covenant... You couldn't do that commandment. So we just said, don't commit adultery. We couldn't go any farther than that. The Sermon on the Mount is not a new code of ethics or moral values. It's actually a spiritual interpretation of the law, the real spirit that was behind it. Okay, And so Jesus was trying to say, you've heard it said, I say to you, and the whole purpose of all that is to say, impossible. And he said, you got it. It is impossible. You can't do this. It's only possible if you're living by another person's kind of life. Okay? Just like I'm living by the Father's life. When the cross is over 
and actually I can release the Spirit, and actually you can start living by my Spirit, then you can actually do the things that I'm telling you to do. All right, next part of this. Then he said, nobody will have to teach his neighbor or his brother who he is or how he acts because we will know him. How? Because we will have God living on the inside of us. Now, you can't get much closer than that. I think, sadly, for so many Christians, we still forget that God is as close as our hearts. He's in us. He came in here with us this morning. We don't come in here on Sunday morning and Jesus is kind of hanging out somewhere on the other side of these ceiling tiles. You know, and we think if we, sh- if we shout loud enough, we're going to wake him up and it's like, oh, God will be here. It's like, no, I come with you. All right. You won't have to teach everyone. I'm going to be speaking to you. Now, remember that the main difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that the old is a commandment from the outside, whereas the new is an urge from the inside. And I really believe so often God actually speaks to us through our renewed and our redeemed conscience that actually is, is just so sensitive to God's voice. Okay? Now, the law is clearly marked, carved in stone. You can't miss it. Don't do this. Do that. And we try to do it. Bummer. I couldn't do it. This is hard. God, maybe I just need to try harder. So we go, don't think of brown bears. Ah, brown bears, brown bears, brown bears. That's all I can think about. Right? This is so hard. I'll try really hard tomorrow. And then we have a do-over day and we try it again. And then it's like, I'm going to be holier today. You know? Ah, And then, no, it's just as hard because it's still us trying to do it in our own strength. But the new covenant is this this dynamic urge from the inside out. These are the rivers of living water that Jesus talked about in John 7. He said in John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out from within. Then the Bible goes on to give us a very helpful little interpretation of what Jesus was talking about in verse 39, where he says, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to this time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here's the new covenant promise. God, the Holy Spirit, flowing out from the inside of believers. Because just a declaration from the outside is not going to get the job done. Okay? Never happened in the old covenant. The best they had to hope for was occasional God God cameos. All right? The Holy Spirit anointing them for a specific purpose, just for a short time. Now you see me, now you don't. That was all they had before. Not, and, and actually, you know, what we have is God's abiding presence. You know, his habitation. Not a visitation, but a habitation with us. Him abiding with us. Filling us. Continuing to flow through us. Okay? And that changes everything. 
Now, the new covenant is also prophesied by Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a really cool Old Testament prophet, and I like the way he actually describes the new covenant in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. He actually adds something really important about the new covenant that Jeremiah had left out. So let's read it. Um, I think we have it. There it is. You can read along with me. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Wow. I'm sure Ezekiel was like going, that's really going to be cool. But I'm totally going to miss out on it. Thanks a lot. See, God is not giving us a new moral code to try to live by. No, the law of God is good. The problem is with our hearts. I actually have something here to hold on a few things. Actually help to illustrate this. See, the problem is with our hearts. I actually got some of that spray foam. You know, that you fill in cracks. And I got some pea gravel. I always get a little embarrassed when I say pea gravel because it feels like I'm saying something I shouldn't say. But you get your pea gravel and you get your foam and you get like a sweet little cardboard box like this and you put it all together, it creates a heart of stone. Ooh, okay. But that's what we've got. That's kind of like what God has to work with before we get saved. And even it's like when you have like this commands of God and a heart of stone, it just kind of doesn't work. It's like, do not commit adultery. I'm sorry, it's just not going in. I can't do anything about it. It's like, do not steal. Like, it's like, I'm trying really hard. And, and what happens is the stony heart just can't pull off the laws of God. It's just impossible because... It's stony, and I'm going to put that down before I drop it on my toe. All right, so here's, here's what happens, you know. It's like, um, you know, we try really hard, it's like, and then it's just like stones just bouncing off. I think that's kind of a nice instrument. What do you think, Michelle? Right. Claves. No, oh, it's kind of... What of what are those things? No, sorry. You can't. That's why I don't try to bring too many things up here with me. Okay. So, you know that. So it's not really helpful trying to follow God and obey Him with this stony heart. And and David said in Psalm fifty-one, "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me." And the Bible calls David what a man after God's own heart. Very good. And it's like God answers David's prayer by doing what he cried out for. God's solution, I will give you a new heart. I will put my indwelling presence within you. I'll put my spirit within you. I'll change you from the inside out. The law is good and just. We just, the problem is we just can't do it with a stony heart. It's our hearts that have to be changed. Now, <clears throat> this new heart Designed by God is really something 
incredible, more than the incredible edible egg. Right? You know the commercial, right? But it's more incredible than that. This new heart has all the bells, woo, 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 and whistles <coughs> built in. And I want you to just invite you to touch your heart. Go ahead and touch your heart. And you can say, very nice. Say your heart, very nice. How, how are you doing in there, God? Thank you for giving me a heart of flesh. You can kind of make up your own words. You know, thank you for giving my, my new heart that tells me how to please you. Thank, for write, thank you for writing on my heart, you know, inscribing on my heart <coughs> how I can please you. <coughs> because on my own, I just can't do that. Okay? Where are you going? Oh, <coughs> I thought she was like, I'm done with this sermon. I'm out of here. <laughs> when your wife leaves, it's like, what happened? You know, it's funny. It's like, you know, it's like preachers and their wives, you just kind of watch them. You know, if you ever see the wife going, oh, it's like, extract, abort, abort, get out of there. <coughs> She's kind of like the canary in the mine. All right. All right. Uh, so here we go. Um, so this new heart we've got. Thank you. All right. It's a tender heart. It's actually, uh, the, but the little problem with this heart of flesh that's kind of pliable, I don't know, I kind of think of like Play-Doh. Don't you love Play-Doh? Don't you? It's just kind of fun. It's kind of a little squishy thing. It's like, it's a pliable heart. You know, a lot of times the flesh in the Bible is not really seen as a good thing, but this is a pliable, thank you, dear, as a pliable heart. I can go for another hour. <laughs> Stop! No more water for him! Dry him out. Get him out of here. Um, so this pliable heart, the only thing that's a little tricky about it is people can step on it. And people can wound you because now you've got this pliable heart, this Jesus heart. And sometimes people step on it. And sometimes we're like, God, I kind of miss my stony heart because I could be a total jerk and it didn't matter before. But now I do something really stinky and I feel guilty. Or all of a sudden, someone comes up to me and they say something really wicked to me. And my little heart of flesh gets broken. And God said, that's okay. I'm near to the brokenhearted. You know, I don't know why it is we run away from what God runs to. See, God runs to brokenhearted people and we are like, I don't want my heart to be broken. I want it to be protected. It's like, that's all right. It's like your heart gets broken, you'll be in good company. Like, you guys are breaking my heart all the time. They didn't hear Elton and Kiki Dees. Don't go breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my, don't go breaking my heart. All right. So here's the deal with this heart of flesh. God says, I'm going to put my law within you. And I'm actually going to write my, my desires on your heart. God says, they will have my mind in them, my thoughts for every situation. So that in every circumstance, they will know what to do and what not to do. You ever just kind of got, back in the day, we called it a check in our spirit. Like you had a plan, you were going to do something, and all of a sudden, you didn't have peace about doing it. You know, a reckless car ran out of gas before it ran your way. You know, and your misses all around us because sometimes God's just working through the situation and saying, no, don't do that. I can't tell you everything because it'll blow your mind. Just don't go. Or don't make that phone call yet. 
I'm still preparing that person's heart. So wait in God's timing. Basically, he can tell us exactly what to do. Isn't that amazing? Where he's actually like leading us and, and we can live by his indwelling life. And that's really the glory and the joy of being a Christian. It's actually learning how in community to live by God's divine life. You know, I think sometimes we just forget that we've got this amazing opportunity. All right. And who's going to actually cause us to want to do these things? Who's going to want to walk in these ways? Then God say, I will cause you to walk in these ways. That's pretty incredible. All right. And see, God initiates it all. Romans 8.3 tells us what the law could not do, God did. And Philippians 2.13 reminds us that even when you have this great idea, that great idea was probably God inside you saying, you know what, I have this great idea. It's like I have this wonderful will for you. And guess what, I'm even going to give you the power to do this great idea that I've given you because it says there in the Bible and Philippians 2.13.4, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, a helpful way to distinguish between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is to see the Old Covenant as letter and the New Covenant as spirit and life. 2 Corinthians 3.6 clearly says, he has made us competent as ministers of what? A new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Have you ever been killed by the letter? You actually ever had a Christian come and kill you with a verse? Right? I mean, maybe you've been a part of a denominational group that just like, they were just going out killing people with the Bible, right? The letter kills. It's dangerous, people. This is a dangerous book unless it's under the control of God's indwelling spirit. Otherwise, we'll, we'll use it in the wrong way, right? I mean, we'll kill each other with the Bible. Thus saith the Lord, hallelujah. Ah! I was killed by Colossians. <laughs> I was killed by the psalm. Ah! Got to make sure it's in the right hands. But the good thing is the right hands are inside of our hearts. And sadly, though, we can turn the New Testament into a letter of the law if we're not careful. It's possible to read the New Testament in an old covenant way. We can make it a system of religion based on obedience to the written commandments. Now, how do we keep this from happening? And with this, I close. And actually, Lynn and Jeff, you can kind of make your way up here. How do we keep this from happening? By making sure that we are living by Christ's indwelling life and not our own. That's what makes the difference. Making sure it's the new heart with the Holy Spirit within us, causing us to keep in step with what God is saying and doing within us. It's a life and it's God's life flowing from Christ's indwelling life. Amen.